they call I'm much too fast to take that test Welcome back to Range Anxiety. There's the King David Bowie with Changes. And that's what today's Range Anxiety. 30 years of automotive tuning experience and general mucking around in 30 minutes. It's a midweek session. And today we're going to be talking about changes. Well, there was a very big change, wasn't there, uh, on the weekend. Remember, I picked what was going to happen with Saturday Night Live. And I, I kind of got it right. I said it could go either way. You see, by saying it could go either way, that means that I wasn't going to uh, get it wrong and I particularly wasn't going to get it right. But yeah, as I thought, Elon said something a bit controversial, the Doge father, and um, a lot of people lost their shirts. There was a big dump that came through, 20, 30% or something, during Saturday Night Live. And yeah, it's a little bit loud here at the moment, so I'm in the Model 3 performance on those low-profile hoops. These things run on... But yeah, no, he said he uh, intimated that when he was doing his um, financial skit, that uh, the Doge, after saying it was going to the moon and it's a future currency of Earth and the future of mankind, that his offsider or the person in the skit with him said, yeah, so essentially it's a hustle. And he said, yeah, it's a hustle. And everyone went, no. But look, regardless of what Elon said, there was always going to be a sell-off because the way all markets work is that you buy the rumour and sell the news. And this is the way it's always worked. So it doesn't matter what he said. The price was going down as people sold and made some money out of the people that were buying to push it up. That's normal. Since then, though, there has been an, an olive branch offered by Musk. He's been having a... On his Twitter, he's been running a poll. Should Tesla accept Dogecoin, as I predicted they were going to to buy motor cars with and at the moment there's only a couple of hours to go on that online poll I think there's 4 million votes and 79% of them are saying yes let us buy Tesla cars with Doge now if they do that there will be some serious price action I would think at the moment regardless of the headlines you read the price is respecting trend it's still in an upward trend it's still looking good so for all of you Doge hodlers out there don't foddle keep on the hodl well i'm going to because and again not financial advice i don't know what i'm talking about do the opposite of me and be like that wrx alongside me dripping out of the head gaskets um yeah do what you got to do i suppose but i'm gonna hodl anyway because it's just i suppose cool to be living in this perfect time where um something inspired by memes with a picture of a dog's head on it can make you rich or poor and, you know, the whole market is... I'm not going to ramble on about the market all day. This is about cars, but the whole market is stupid. You know, there's a Shinu Ebo coins now that's a doge killer. There's Cum Rocket. There's D's Nuts. There's Pig Token. I mean, really, guys, get a bloody grip, will you? Stop, you know, separating kids from their McDonald's paychecks every week. I mean, seriously. Wow. Anyway, on to cars. And let's talk about changes. Oh, there's always changes. No, this isn't about EVs. That's already happened. You just might have blinked and missed it. And you might blink again and definitely miss it. This is about the actual real changes. And there goes that Subi. It's still under its own power. That must be some sort of land distance record. It's gone like a kilometre. Not even a mile for my American listeners. 
No, this is about changes in the market. And, you know, I'm old enough. I've seen them over the years. But there's some massive big change going on at the moment because Toyota have decided to kill off their, like, 20-year-old, I suppose it is, platform, the LC200 Land Cruiser. Now, the Land Cruiser uh, is a good platform, or was a good platform. It's an old, hairy old thing now. Uh, it doesn't matter how many fake fridges and you know driver assist systems they put on it it's a hairy old goat and you know it's a big solid thing and it goes all right and everything else but it's time that the four and a half liter turbo diesel v8 sort of went in the way of the dodo and became extinct and i mean not because there's anything particularly wrong with it there isn't but it's of the age now you know where it making it meet emissions is going to be tough from here and making it you know there is much more efficient ways of doing things and probably because there's so much metal in it and it's so complicated it's probably you know reasonably expensive to keep upgrading the current spec and trying to build and you know the chassis is old now too you know the things the thing's done its time and you know it's done it pretty well you know there, there aren't these those cars the lc200s don't really have a lot of problems well or didn't really have a lot of problems till i introduced the tpf versions and yeah they had a lot of problems with faulty injectors and things like that that there were technical news flashes put out you know amongst the inside of toyota about saying you know if you've got a dpf version and and, and there's soot all in the exhaust system you know it needs new injectors it needs this that the other unless of course you've tuned it then just tell a customer to piss off and take their money because they caused it um yeah, long story, that one. But this, the thing had reached the end of its cycle. And the new one is behind schedule now. Looks like um, Toyota have probably been taking some lessons from Tesla there. <laughs> or maybe all manufacturers. What is it? Oh, yeah, it's COVID. Hmm. Anyway, um, the thing's behind schedule. And the LC300 is not going to have the V8 in it anymore. And I say, good. Don't I like the V8? No, of course I like the V8. They're tuners paradise. They tune up well and, you know, you can make them do things through their antiquated but still effective six-speed auto. It's a good package and it's proven for a lot of people to be very reliable. But no one, it seems, no one wants the new six-cylinder version. And that's strange because the old 100 series or 105 whatever it's called the old diesel was a six cylinder and i'm old enough and wrinkly enough to remember when the lc200 came out people are going why are toyota getting rid of the most wonderful six cylinder in the world and putting a v8 in it are they stupid we don't want this v8 we won't buy one and of course everyone just didn't bought them because they were better and that's right there is something better than an an old 105 six-cylinder banger. Yeah, oh, there's actually plenty of things better than that, but don't start me on those. I mean, the V8 was good, and all of a sudden, people bought the V8. They went, oh, shit, this thing goes. It's talky, it's smooth. It probably doesn't use, probably didn't use any more fuel than the old six. That was a thirsty old nugget. And, you know, probably went twice as well, too, because the old six was a slow old nugget. Wow. This thing's great. Let's all buy LC200s. And they did. And people did in droves. But now the LC300 is on the horizon. Land Cruiser. People are going, oh, I don't want a six-cylinder. It's going to be shit. How's it going to tow my caravan? How's it going to travel around Australia? 
it's going to be gutless and it's not going to be as good as this one. Well, let me tell you something, folks. It's not going to be as good as the LC200. It's going to be an absolute shed load better. Oh, how can that be? It's a six-cylinder. Well, even Toyota uh, aren't in the business of building cars uh, that are worse than the previous generation. Sure, they've done it from time to time. All manufacturers have done it from time to time. Trying to think of when Toyota did it, though. Oh, it's pretty hard. It's a pretty hard concept to wrap your head around. Possibly, maybe, the BMW-inspired Supra versus the old banger with the 2JZ. But that's that's just another example of people not being with it because if a couple of mods on the new one, you got a 10-second quarter mile where you had to basically empty, you know, the, the Musk Bitcoin fortune into the old 2JZ to make it do a 10. I don't care what you say, it wasn't that easy. It wasn't that easy at the time, it might be a bit easier now. But resistance is futile. And if you think that the new Land Cruiser is going to be a hunk of shit and not do anything the old one did, you are mental. And you need to get with the times and you need to stop being an old fuddy-duddy. This is not the case. Now, I don't even know, because no one knows outside of Toyota what engine is actually going to be in the LC300 Land Cruiser. Originally, it was going to be a some sort of um, hybrid with a small petrol V6 in it. And that, to me, with Toyota, you know, because they can't build a proper EV, and, and that market, honestly, let's face it, the, the guys that take caravans around Australia and do that sort of thing, you're going to be resistant to an EV, EV because it probably won't have the range for them anyway. So they've probably got a valid point there, so I can get the hell off my high horse. Um, it was going to be a hybrid using Toyota's quite nifty hybrid technology. You know, if anyone can do a hybrid, it's Toyota. I mean, it's all they have been doing for a long time with any success. So it was going to be a hybrid. And I thought, hmm, this is going to be tasty. Now the leaks that we see, uh, yeah, they were saying a flat, like a, a Subaru-style engine hybrid. And I thought, holy dooly, wouldn't that be good? like a WRX motor with a Prius battery on top. Yeah, nah, no thanks. No thanks at all. Um, but then they said, oh, a V6 turbo diesel. And I thought, yeah, that'd be all right with 313 kilowatts and, you know, 750 or 700 newton metres of torque. And oh, yeah, that could, probably, that could probably do the job, you know, like V6 turbo diesels these days, especially current gen stuff can make heaps of grunt and, and and go really 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 well that would be good but isn't the whole problem that diesel is on the nose and can't meet emissions and is essentially kind of useless now in a lot of countries apart from australia because we just allow you to make as much smog as you want and you know for the people that want to go touring around the country Running on diesel is, is probably not a bad thing. You know, it allows them to get places otherwise probably normally wouldn't get. But then out of left field comes uh, the conversation about a 3.5 twin turbo V6 petrol. People are going, oh, no, I don't want a petrol motor. And, well, let me tell you, I've had a little bit of experience with these things. Not, not in the Toyota because no one knows if it exists, how it exists, or, or if it's ever going to exist. No, but in the um, F-Series that we do a lot with at American Truck and Aussie Muscle Car Sales, you know, I'm the 
poor bastard that gets to tune them. And you know what? Everyone wants a power stroke, you know, 6.7, big Ford, tough diesel. And yeah, they're killer. They're animals of things, absolute animals. But the most underrated package in the whole lineup is that 3.5 petrol V6. Those things absolutely hammer out the box. And when, even in a, you know, in an F-150 style body, which is not, you know, inconsequentially light, it, it's, it's, a, it's a heavy thing still. And then would you uh, give them a bit of tuning love, give them a little bit more boost, remove some torque restrictions and, you know, fuel them correctly, those things will make 270 kilowatts at the bloody wheels. You know, they, they are absolute hammers, those things. And people are going, ah, you won't be able to tow anything with a V6 petrol. Uh, bullshit. So that would be my preferred option for the LC300. Pretty much everywhere you can get diesel, you can get petrol. It will tow anything you can put behind it. I mean, let's face it. A Land Cruiser is only like able to tow 3,500 kilograms. And then I think the, the GVM, you can only put like, you know, once you get your tow ball weight on the thing and, and and four passengers and a tiny bit of luggage in it, you're done anyway. Unless you do a GVM, uh, GVM upgrade, you know, and, and spend 10 grand resuspending them and doing that. What's the point? You know, so I think, in fact, I know that the V6 petrol, if Toyota did it, twin turbocharged with over 300 kilowatts at the wheels will not only outgrunt in a straight line the old diesel it will do so without the horrific emission problems that diesels have and not so much horrific of what's coming out the tailpipe but i mean horrific in terms of actual maintenance dpfs and egr and all of these i mean petrol motors still have egr but it's nowhere near as toxic to the whole inlet system as it is on a diesel it will out tow out grunt it will do everything better okay mark my words screenshot this oh see look self-drive thought i was about to hit someone but i didn't saw me accelerating into the traffic thanks elon um it will do everything the diesel can and more so uh, the catch 22 here is that people are now paying thirty, forty thousand dollars over the odds for the old 4.5 turbo diesel because you know that that is God's work apparently that, that engine. And once um, they see that the new you can have a brand new petrol car that's better than the old diesel uh, for the same money and it's brand new with full warranty without any of the problems. Do you think these old 50,000, you know, mile buckets of turd that have been bush bashed within an inch of their life, thrashed, bashed, scratched, had the guts pulled out of them. Do you think they're going to hold their value? Well, let me answer that question for you. No. So within about 12 months, maybe 18 months, your 130 or 140 grand secondhand cruiser and listen to that, that's a diesel next to me now. Fans roaring, absolutely obnoxious thing. Do you think it's going to be worth any more than 70 or 80 grand? I'm telling you now, it isn't. So there is a real big issue coming up for those that are overpaying. Unless 
You want to live with that dirty old diesel for the rest of your life and keep throwing DPFs at it and paying for this and paying for that and draining, you know, 10 litres of black, filthy, shitty oil out of it every 10,000 Ks. You know, there is no magic here. So those of you that don't, that are backwards thinkers, keep buying the old one. Put it in the shed. I don't know, do whatever you want to do with it. Those of you that have got half a brain, realise that the new car is going to be twice as bloody good. And there you go, I'm complimenting Toyota. Have I seen this before? Absolutely. Who remembers when the VT Commodore was first released? What a beautiful car that was in the day. It really, really was a beautiful looking car. And it came out in, I think, 1997 or six. I've got a dirty old diesel in front of me here. Yeah, it's Toyota doing one mile an hour with an old cocky driving it, belching smoke everywhere. Mate, don't worry about it. It's worth 150 grand. Yeah, pigs might fly too. But the old Commodores with the old Holden 308 number, it was a good old motor, but let's face it, compared to an LS1, it was a bucket of shit in every regard. It made no power. It was under-engineered. It had poor head clamping. It cost, you know, it, it cost you 20 grand, $20,000 back then, to make as much power out of a 308 as a standard LS1 was making with an exhaust and a tune. If you could even do it. Sometimes you had to supercharge the 308 to even get it that close. So there is resistance at the time. I'm keeping my Holden engine holding forever because that is the best of the best. No, it wasn't the best of the best. Sure, it's iconic. Sure, it's old. And sure, they you know, are an interesting part of history. But as far as being um, the best of the best, no. People are only just getting that right now. Uh, with the last of the LSs in the VFs, you know, uh, being the good thing. And they were the good thing and they are the good thing. But, you know, you don't hear much, uh, you don't hear many blips on the radar now about the old Holden engine. In fact, it was so uh, good in the day that for any of the performance versions back in the day when the 308 was first released, GM used transplanted the 350, the Chevrolet engine, because A, it was better in a lot of ways, and B, it had a lot more aftermarket support. So making them go fast was much easier. I used to have, um, when I was a kid, I used to have um, arguments with a slightly older guy that told me that the Chev 350 was the most successful racing engine in the world. And yes, it was. You know why? Because there were so many one-make bloody classes for it, <laughs> and it was impossible for it not to win everything. But that's cool. So yeah, if you're thinking of you know, holding on and resisting technology, even in piston cars, you got it wrong because they are better. And here's another example for you. What about Nissan GDRs? I remember people holding on to their R32s, R33s, R34s because the R35 was never going to be as good. And you know what? That shit came out of my mouth at one stage too. I remember having an argument in 2008, early, early, when one of the very first import cars was um, brought into Australia, my mate was a photographer, Guy Bowden, got to do some work with one in, in Western Australia. And he said, Martin, you gotta, you, you got to try it. Man, these things are incredible, so much better than the old cars. And I said, shut up, you're a photographer, Guy. You don't know what you're talking about. Six months later, I was balls deep in them. And they were 10 times the car. I mean, surely I'm not saying anything against the Nissan owners now, R32s, R33s, R34s, are good, old, interesting collectibles, you know, and 
for those that are crazy and wild enough to do it, they make crazy drag platforms because they're basically made out of Wheaties packets with some pretty cool, for the time, engineering stuff underneath them. But a standard for standard, any model, even pick the best of them, even pick uh, the best of the R34s, I don't know, a nurse spec or something like that, and put it up against the worst of the R35s, which is probably the early 2008 JDM, although that is cool in its own way, anywhere, anytime, the 2008 R35 will absolutely smash the R34 into oblivion. The old cars, while being cool, they didn't handle particularly well. They weren't fast in a straight line. And to make them do anything that was of any consequence, you had to spend an absolute shit ton of money on them. Oh no, hate me if you want, turn off if you want, but these are the facts. So what can we expect with the R36? Well, I think I've, I've already like uh, spoken about this in Epicast before, but don't expect too much because I don't believe it will exist. However, if Nissan have put all of their money into Dogecoin in January, what little they've got left, and turned it into a, a super duper profit like one other car company I know did, they may be able to afford to fund an R36 GDR. And if they do, and if they make one, and if it has some kind of hybrid assist, which I've been talking about, I can guarantee you, if it ever comes to market, it will be better than the R35. Because that, boys and girls, friends, dear listeners, is the way the world works. Yep, you heard it here, and you heard it here first. So don't hang on to the past, unless it's a collectible, or a classic, or it means something to you. Like an R32 GDR means something to me because, you know, that's how I started my business, really, toying with that kind of thing. Early Commodores mean something to me because that's how I started my business. So I'd like to um, be able to have one in the shed. So on those rare occasions where my kids actually want to speak to me about something meaningful other than the gram, uh, I'd be able to say, look, this is, oh, good idiot on a motorbike nearly ran into me. Really, truly, dearie me. I'd like to be able to say to my kids, um, this is how your daddy uh, made all this money over the years that he then wasted on the doge. So there you go. So that was Epicast 89, almost done. Um, or 89 is done. Now, we're 11 episodes, 11 Epicasts. That's my word, Epicast, right? We're 11 Epicasts away from the magical 100 number, and at the 100 number, I'm gonna take a break. I think there's still plenty to talk about and there's still plenty to do, and I don't think the break will be for very long, but we all need to have a breather. You need to have a breather from listening to my voice, and I need to give you all a chance to catch up with some of the older Epicasts and actually give me your thoughts as to whether you want me to keep going or not. Our subscriber numbers are huge, particularly in the United States, which is great, you know. I love the US, and I would really, really love to live there. You know, some of the stuff you see online isn't so good at the moment, but, you know, all cities and all places go through their downtimes, and, you know, with the homeless in LA, it's probably the most attractive of places to be at the moment, but it's still, I have a great affinity for it and would like to be doing business out of there one day, if not right now. So I'm going to take a breather at uh, Epicast 100. I will probably be back 
bigger and better than ever, but I may not be too. It all comes down to what you tell me. So don't be shy to send me some feedback. And that feedback goes to, as we keep saying at DTECH, D-T-E-C-H at S-E-N-E-T dot com dot A-U. So thank you. Don't be resistant to change. Thanks for listening to Range Anxiety. And make sure you tune in next time because the clock is now ticking.